This episode is brought to you by livingrelief.com, a Wolfpack-owned business that is your source for Delta-8, CBD, THCV, gummies, tinctures, chocolates, all North Carolina-based quality products that can help with sleep, anxiety, pain, and countless other medical benefits. Highly recommend checking these guys out. Their stuff is really good. And if you use code REDWHITE20, you get 20% off your first order. That's REDWHITE20. LivingRelief.com. Living, R-E-L-E-A-F.com. Thanks for listening. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. folks we are back with another edition of the red white podcast i'm your host heaven here with Will. i'm doing great Zach. after How that intro doing? right there that was that was something that was that got me jacked up <laughs> i mean that's one of the greatest pieces of audio i gotta keep that i think that is i mean it one of the best two minutes <laughs> i think that i've seen I don't know, man. I, it's how I always I've been telling been telling people that it just it feels like this is probably what it felt like to be on the other end of the don't punt the geo game, right? And then it just we are never on this side of sniping a game from somebody, and it just feels so good. And that audio just man makes me feel so good. I- I don't know what you guys are talking about. I love the um, sunshine ad that comes on right after Some, somebody that clip is over. Is, is that what it was? What is it? It's, it's literally right after it starts. It's that, uh, yeah, that power home soul. Ad. I hate that. Ad. It's so jarring. Whoever said it in the chat, I knew it was coming. And even knowing it was coming, it's like, bam. So the Wolfpack goes undefeated at home for the first time in 35 years. Dave Doran wins. Nine games once again. How did you, how, Zach? How did you feel uh, after felt, I mean, that game was over? It just kind of felt like finally, this is happening to us. Like we get to understand what this feels like now. <clears throat> and uh, by the way, somebody needs to set that like that whole highlight reel to the Titanic song 
you know how they do like for the NFL or all, you know, they do it for, for certain games. Somebody needs to set that to Titanic. I'm just saying, but, um, it just, it was just, yeah. <laughs> we'll put the interns on. Wait, are we the like, iceberg? You know, it just felt good to finally <laughs> have that scenario. Something so improbable happened for us. Uh, I got. I do have to give a shout out to one of my uh, UNC buddies. He he texted me when there was like three minutes left in the game, or whenever they kicked that field goal. We were texting back and forth the whole game, and um, he told me he's like, "Dude, it's not over." I was like, "You're up nine with two minutes to go. You know, it's it's over." And uh, he said, "Y'all are gonna score here. You're gonna get an onside kick, and you're gonna go right down and score again." And I, you know, kind of roll your eyes like, "Yeah, okay, okay." We actually made a bet on it. I mean, that's how confident you know I was. And, on if he wasn't right so you know it just felt good to to sit here and and kind of just soak that in the next morning you wake up and you you know you get to soak it in again because you're watching all the highlights and hearing what everybody's saying so it was good it was a good night the best part about it is like carolina fans were texting me during the during that game all the rest are trying to take it from us and then they're Mm -hmm. just you know the people you don't hear from. You don't hear from them before the game because they were, you know, they were expecting to get waxed, and you know they just they were quiet, and then they were winning, and then I'm sure everybody had the same, you know, had the same experience where their Carolina friends start chirping about the third quarter there, late fourth quarter, and then again the, the excuses come, and then the. Well, you know, well, we we own the historical record, and they bring it back to like 1947 or something, you know, just some some crazy nonsense. But to me, not having to hear that for the mm-hmm. next 11 months is freaking beautiful. Like from a fan perspective, not having to hear all of the Carolina hype and the Carolina love from the people that don't really care. And well, I don't know if this is like this for you being in Virginia, but I don't know. Did you have the same experience? Uh, well, you, <laughs> it's funny. Cause I, I would say half my friends up here had gone to uh, UNC and they were the only UNC fans I've ever met in this town. <laughs> um, so no, typically you don't ever encounter them, but I, <laughs> I mean, what's the question? Am I happy about the win? Am I am I telling everyone to give Dave Doran a $90, $90 million contract for the next ten years? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was an awesome game. Um, you know, the only thing that could have made it any better would have been somehow BC overcoming the flu and <laughs> those Nazis down in Winston Salem. Um, <laughs> I hate them so much, man. I've, yeah, me too. You know, I always say that because Wahida was watching the weight game with me, and uh, I was like, I can't stand Sam Hartman's haircut. I don't know what it is, but it's just the douchiest haircut I've ever seen. And she was like, <laughs> he looks like he's a Nazi in his one photo. And I was like, oh, there we go. I was like, that's why I'm marrying you. He immediately won. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're not going to hear any... I haven't heard much chirping from UNC fans. I guess I'll say that. They've been pretty, uh, you know, the only ones that have been chirping the most is Tony Grimes. And then everyone's cutting up videos of how uh, Charmin Charmin Soft he looks. He's getting murdered on on Twitter. That is the funniest thing. 
I mean, I remember when it happened live, the, the Thayer Thomas touchdown, and I remember thinking, like, why did five UNC defenders or four or however many it was just all decide not to tackle a guy going into the end zone? That was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. And, um, yeah, you know, just – I don't know why everyone chose Tony Grimes. I guess it, little it, brother. he tweeted out the thing Did, that uh, said something about oh. – about losing to your little bro- losing to your little brother, you know, made the little Man. comment, and people just Those guys... roasted him for it. My favorite, yeah. one of my favorites that was the clip I put in the pod chat, where Thayer catches a slant or a little curl, and Grimes just putting absolutely zero effort into chasing him down. He was essentially walking, <laughs> like this is this is your five star, four star. This is this is it. This is the guy that's talking smack to us. Yeah, I mean. It's that's the epitome of in, of UNC in general is, you know I I like I said before the game the 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 defensive line and the athletes there is what concerned me the most and that gave us the most problems, but it's crazy watching their defensive line just going ham and trying to get to us every single play and then in the back <laughs> the, the back five are just like hey man I'm here for pass breakups uh, I, uh... <laughs> well did you listen to, to your inside I listened podcast to two of them yet? this morning too I don't I want. I listened to two of them, and uh, what, what, which one do you want to talk about? Because the the day after one, I they were <laughs> it's the closest I've ever heard them to saying like Mac Brown is fucked at UNC, and and the reason they said it was because he's losing faith with the boosters. Like it's, it basically said the general population is is now extremely skeptical of Mac Brown, and they should be. Because he's gone seven, eight, and six wins with the greatest quarterback they've ever had in school history. And then the other pod I was listening to today, and the one thing that I just I walked away with the most was at one point, I don't know if it was Ingersoll or who said it, but someone was talking about Icky, and the guy's like, uh, yeah, what's that guy's yeah. name? Uh, blah, blah, blah. And like someone's like, yeah, Icky Aquinas. He goes, yeah, I've never even heard of him. And I was like, dude, just, I, it was like literally just won the, whatever, the ACC blocker of the year. Yeah. And it's like, you haven't heard of the premier left tackle in the conference? Okay. Uh, but yeah, sorry. What did you want to talk about? Because I've been listening to those podcasts <laughs> and this was just the perfect weekend for me. I just wanted to hear the Carolina hot takes. Like how, how angry are they? Um, You know, I mean, they're, they've been kind of pretty consistent for a little while because they've been losing so many games, but um you know, the players are like, basically, hey, like every Thursday you practice for several of those scenarios that occurred in this game of you're up, someone's trying to come back, you've got this onside kick scenario, like how could things go wrong? You're drilled on this stuff all the time. You know, and they've been saying that all season on the one podcast, that's the the one with the players and the Vipolis podcast or whatever it is. And it's, it's amazing to me because I was like, you guys are players and you have yet to connect the dots that having a staff full of recruiters doesn't win you, you know, it wins you games on signing day, but it doesn't win you games when it actually matters. And, you know, the other IC podcasts, they same way. Like they, they can't seem to understand that they don't have good coaching. They're, they just, it's, that's their problem. They don't have good coaches and they're too focused on trying to win recruiting battles and trying to brag about their NLI money and things NIL money and things like that. And they've just yet to be like, "Hey, Mac Brown isn't really running a strong program. They're not disciplined, they're not tough. Like Dre Bly sure knows how what, how to teach them 
they're like talking about on one today, and they said like, oh, Dre Dre Bly is one of the best corners that's ever been here, and teaches them how to play the pass better than anything. And then you show that clip where they're all like, well, we're not gonna like tackle somebody though. And I'm I'm just amazed that UNC fans can't can't connect those dots. So I, I'm gonna talk to my buddy who's one of my groomsmen this weekend, obviously, and um, you know before the season started, I said why aren't why do you think people are so high on UNC right now? And he was like, well, our defense is supposed to be better. We've got all these studs coming in, but the defense, the defense, the defense. And I was like, that's like the one area where I think you guys are like going to collapse. I have zero faith in UNC ever really fielding a strong defense. And, you know, here we are, end of the season. That's a problem. I mean, we were down seven starters, and our defense held it together. It wasn't our best. I mean, it was our worst probably performance of the year, but... All things considered, our guys still looked more physical despite letting British books, Brooks, you know, kind of run like a wrecking ball through them. Uh, pretty much. What was your take the, from the Pretty much agreeing with what Will said. The, the, what got me the most was the guy being like, yeah, they're, they're, they're all, their left tackle, they got a sack on their left, ta- you know, UNC got a sack on our left tackle at one point. And then, you know, the guy was like, yeah, what, I don't, I've never even heard of him, but he's supposed to be good. You know, it's <laughs> just like, what? Okay, so if you just discredited, like, every argument that you're going to have <laughs> from this point forward, at least in this podcast. And, I mean, I don't listen to him like Will does, but, you know, I just it, I just enjoy it after things like this. But How did you react when um... – they said they were basically talking about the ACC in general, and they were like, "There's Clemson, and it should be for the next five years. Clemson and UNC, Clemson and they, UNC, Clemson and UNC are the, the only good the, football to, programs." To me, and, I, I want to hear. I, mean, like, I have good friends that are UNC fans, but it's the it's just like the quintessential UNC aspect to me, and you know, of their athletic department to to seem rather than to be. And yes, UNC is gonna always recruit well. You know, they're they're, they're mm-hmm. it's going it's it's always gonna happen. They're always gonna have a top twenty five class. They're gonna pull kids just because of the Jumpman logo, and you know everybody grew up watching Michael Jordan and all that stuff. But you know, you're, they're gonna have talent, but they don't have coaching. I mean, when Butch Davis first came to UNC, he was pulling in. You know, uh, golly, who was what was the Cheesecake Factory guy's name? Marvin Austin. Marvin Austin. He was the number one ranked Marvin player like, in the whole country, or top five at least. You know, and he goes there, and their preseason top whatever, and then they you know trickle on to eight and five, or whatever it is. And you know, it's just it's just there's a disconnect there. There's a disconnect there between, in my opinion, between. Uh, actual results on field and what people perceive those results to be. And, you know, I, I just, I don't see it. I don't, I don't get it. But what got me was, I guess it's, I, I don't, like I said, I don't listen to him enough, but there's a guy on the, on the, not on the players podcast, but on the other one, it sounds like he's from Savannah or something. He's got that real, it sounds like a politician. I don't even know his name. Yeah, that's kind of that's like a, I think that's him. Buck but, Sanders. Uh, he used to, I mean, he would not give state credit, you know, for anything. And I mean, yes, Carolina did collapse, but state put themselves in a position to win the game. And my favorite part was my favorite part of the whole thing was one of them goes, "Yeah, me, you know, you and I, we normally don't like to talk about officiating, but we should talk about officiating." <laughs> what you know. Y- 
how are you going to talk about officiating at UNC? I just, I don't get that. I don't get that. Yeah. They've been on a rant for a few weeks about officiating and, you know, they're all, they're all hyper-focused on that Vahasic roughing the passer situation. I was listening to the uh, players podcast. plenty of other shit that they missed. Um, I think, uh, what's his name? EJ got to talking about it or something. And they're like, how do you make that call in that situation yeah. in this game? And I'm like, buddy, come be a state fan for two months. And, and, and you, and you, you'll, you'll go back and be thanking your lucky stars. You know, like you don't have a clue, my man, you don't have a damn clue. The, I'll say, I'll say this. Mm-hmm. They had the same thing happen to them with AT Perry as we did. And they were all losing their mind about it after the game too. So, I mean, it, you know, bad ACC officiating impacts every single game. We saw it up at Boston College because we were all BC <laughs> fans this weekend when Phil Dracovic got a blindside hit on the on the defender that looked at Phil Dracovic before Phil, like, nudged him to the ground. You know, but, I mean, hey, that's great coaching from Wake Forest, man. You know. I never thought I, I would see the day where they would re- review targeting on a quarterback. What's like, – what's, what, Unbelievable. I mean, what's the movie? I, I gotta say, man, guys, I hope they like, got the uh, flu. <laughs> the quarterback does something. He goes to the ref and he's complaining. And the and the ref looks at him and goes, "On the quarterback coach? Are you kidding me?" That's all I could think about when I saw that highlight because he wanted they wanted unnecessary roughness on the quarterback. And the ref just looks at him and goes, "On the quarterback coach? Are you kidding me?" And that's all. I mean, was, it might be the replacements. I don't know. Was that the replacements? I can't. <laughs> You mean the greatest Keanu Reeves film you, of all time, gonna, aside gonna, from Point speed? Break? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm still convinced that um, if they had a sense of humor for the replacements, even oh, more than remember they did, the Titans. They, yeah, it's probably remember the Titans. Yeah, but they—I can't believe they did not make the connection between Point Break with Johnny Utah <laughs> and the replacements, and being like, "Yeah, we're bringing Johnny Utah out of retirement." <laughs> He's coming in with his bad knee. Yeah, we're way off topic, dude. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry. I digress. Evan said keep it positive for the first half of this podcast, and I, I can't go wrong with Point Break. Well, so. I want to – the next thing I want to talk about is <laughs> has, the, has another two-minute span in a football game completely changed the perception of – a coach as dramatically as that two minutes what? did. That, like, okay. Can, can you I, imagine having you lost that game and state what eight and four, how the reaction to Dave would have been? Do, I mean, don't you think a similar thing happened with Mac Brown in like the final minutes of that USC uh, championship game where, you know, they managed to, have I can't remember if the sequence is exactly right, but you have like the bush fumble and all this stupid stuff happening, and then you have uh God Vince Young like going in and winning it and like making Mac look incredible, and then you know you kind of saw him. I, I don't know. That's the only time I can think of, even in my like my timeline of watching football, where I was like, oh, that's like a career defining moment in like about a minute span where a game kind of flipped the way you didn't think it was going to. Um, that's the closest I can think of. And I like to just connect Mac to all these things. Like 
that preseason or that um, preseason ranking and then finishing. Yeah. Like I said in the chat, there's, uh, there's only one that coach that appears out. on that list twice. You know, once at Texas and once at UNC. So, yeah, but, that's awesome. I don't know, man. Just that whole that whole scene. It it gives a completely different vibe to this off season. It lets I don't know. Let's day. I don't want to say lets them off the hook, but I got them off the hook because even at eight and four, the way that game ended, where you're you know you're favored, you're at home, you know, it just came out to fourteen nothing, and then you did absolutely nothing for two and a half quarters there. I think I, things would have been really, really negative around the whole fan base. But that two minutes I, just completely changes all that. I honestly thought he was going to get fired at the after that game. Like, as it was rolling up, I even tweeted something to the effect of, I was like, he's like, everything you want out of a coach, but he is like, just hit the wall. Like, I don't know what it was. Now, I mean, there was lots of injuries and stuff like that, so there's ways they could have got around it. But it just felt like I was like, it's got to be hard to be an athletic director at that point, if you lose that game when you shouldn't, especially how you started, like it would have just been like a mm, let's yeah, part ways I, kind I, of situation. But you know, I agree with you. There. Players I mean, like, and staff have more faith than I did. Eight and four, and the the last taste of the season is a you blow a fourteen point lead to your rival who's six and five. What are they? They were six and five coming into the game. You know, and you you blocked two punts in the game. Yeah, you know, yeah. I just <clears throat> I think that would have left a very very sour taste over time in a lot of people's mouths, and you know, it changed the perception. Ameka Amezi and Devin Leary, um, you know, those, that combination, and sprinkle in a little Chris Dunn, uh, you know, that that saved saved Dave in my opinion. Yeah, it re- yeah, I mean, if you... Th- go ahead. Go oh, ahead. sorry, Revan. No, go ahead. Yeah, I was I was just going to say, like, if you think about it, this year kind of embodies what we haven't seen from Dave in the past, where, uh, you know, you beat Clemson. Like, sure, you lost to Mississippi State and Wake and, and Miami in, like, brutal fashion. I think if you had ended the year with, I beat Clemson, but I lost to Mississippi State, Miami, Wake Forest, UNC, when it really mattered, it's that's hard to overcome. But beating UNC, especially with Mac Brown, and beating them while they're down in Clemson trumps a lot of issues that fans aren't going to kind of think about probably till the offseason. I've still got like lots of stuff I'm concerned with, especially with like the offensive game plan side of the house. But from a program perspective, it really does say a lot that, and Dave brought it up in the conference, post-game conference, that not many other teams we've played this year are missing seven starters on defense and still hitting hard and, and keeping it together out there. Like for most other teams, think Dave that says like stuff like that when he goes out recruiting. probably for us. Do you think like um, when he's, when he's in somebody's home and you know, do you think he says, look, man, he's we, 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 two thirds of our starting defense from our first game to our last game were out and we still won nine games. Well, I think what he then say is, not only did we win nine games, but we're a top 25 defense. We're number one in this, number one in that. You know, like, he, you know, and that's, you better, you would you would think that Dave is going to work to get as much money as he can for Tony Gibson this offseason, I'm sure. Yeah. But 
like, I'm sure that's what the message is, is you can come here, shit can go wrong, and you're still winning nine games. We lost our starting quarterback last year for over two-thirds mm-hmm. of the season, and we still went, what, eight and three? No, that's right. right? Eight and three, eight, eight, well, and eight and four with the bowl game, if I remember. I can't remember the numbers. Right? But, I mean, this goes to, like, a large argument. I We can save it for later in the podcast, but, like, he's elevated the program. He can easily go into these houses now, especially mm-hmm. after being Clemson. Like, that was the last hump he really had to get over. Like, people are going to say the division, conference championships. Okay, yeah, sure. But, like, being able to walk in there and be like, yeah, we beat Clemson. Yeah, we beat Mac. Yeah, we beat this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. So it's be like, I think what it's about all Miami? about how the, he, like, scopes no that narrative to, to, you know, to these guys. I mean, I, look, the recruiting does need to pick up to, to a, you know, to a certain extent. Um I, I do think that Dave and his staff are very good at developing talent and taking kind of the diamonds in the rough or the the less flashy and developing them into into you know really good solid players. But you can scope that argument kind of like what you were just saying, Will. Of you know our quarterback got hurt last year, we won eight games. Eight out of twelve starters on defense were hurt this year. We won nine games with a chance to win a tenth. And you know, yeah, we lost to Wake. By, by three we lost to Miami by one but what we need you know is, is, is to just put it all together and we think you can help us you know do that and so like it's just it's things like that that I, I would be interested to know like you know the, the the pitch that is made to some of these some of these big time recruits that we go after you know and we'll never be sitting on those couches and get to hear those conversations but it's just things that you know through my head Well, the best thing that happened to Dave Doran this year is primetime home games where he had recruits, he had awesome games. Clemson and UNC in particular, I'm sure we had guys there. I didn't go back and look at the list. But like the only one that was kind of like duddish would have been the Louisville game. Mm-hmm. And even that still ended with a win, right? Um, I mean, the problem like this year for recruiting is – this class looks bad because we have 12 commits and we're very tight on scholarships, and especially if a bunch of the guys that come back right now come back, then, you know, it kind of is what it is. Um, it's not going to take account transfers, which I think we're going to probably pick up a few good ones anyways. But yeah, I think he needs to be hunting for better players. I think the message will resonate better. Recruiting always lags a year. And so he'll be able to come back and be like, yeah, we beat Clemson when Clemson actually had their players. Like, that's what's going to matter to his talk. And, you know, they're also getting, I mean, they're getting screwed. I mean, MJ Morris is a four-star prospect. And, and, and there's stuff like that in there. You know, we'll probably have an extra, I don't, well, I don't know. I'm going to skip the Galloway stuff. But, yeah, I, I think he can easily walk into anyone's home right now and be like, we run a good, clean program. We put our guys in the NFL. Our dudes hit harder than anybody. Even when we're missing starters, we're really good. And you, XYZ, you're going to be the guy that gets us over the hump. The only thing that mm-hmm. I think they need to do better is get more explosive wide receivers. That's the only problem I have with their recruiting. They've been unlucky, I think, with some offensive line prospects. But, you know, the thing is, is like we do a great job of of getting excellent possession receivers. And the hope is you'll see guys like 
Gray, Smith, Chris Scott Jr., obviously. Um, you know, elevate the explosive element that's been missing. Because if you put a Josh Downs on this team, and see, like, it's, like, okay, I so think here, it's wildly different I offense. think that that guy for us could be Porter Rooks or Julian Gray. But, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't we – did, you got a Mezzi, you got Devin Carter, you got Thayer. You know, I, I just – I wonder – like you know, if you watch if you watch highlights or something, you know, I see Gray. Gray to me looks more explosive, more lateral, more quick twitch than Thayer does. But maybe Thayer's more consistent at this time, and so that's why Thayer's on the field. He's the upperclassman. Okay, fine. But right, and so you know, yeah, it's no just, one's unseating him. You can only throw the ball to one person on a pl- you know per play, or and there's so many you know possessions that you can get, but. I mean, I agree with you, the explosiveness. And, and like, just to compare, just to, you know, acknowledge, like, last year with Carolina when they had De'Ami Brown and Daz Newsom, you know, they could light it up. And and, yep. and that's where the, the difference is, in my opinion. De'Ami Brown is so good that he was $200 in my showdown slate tonight. So um, for anyone that plays <laughs> DFS, you'll know that that is not good. Um, but I, I, but I think that kind of highlights what we have said earlier in the season, where if you are going four wide or five wide, that's not the time to have Chris Tootle on the field. Like Tootle's done some nice things, but you know, at some point you have to put the explosive guys on the field. Now the question might be, or the answer may be simply those younger wide receivers are too young. They are not ready for the physical pounding. Yes, they can go and get open, but it's it's maybe not coming to them yet. I get that. Next year, it's going to be a completely different story. Mezzi's not going to be here. Carter may not be here. Thayer may not be here. There's going to be a lot of young, explosive players. There's going to be ups and downs because of that, but I think there's going to be a lot of explosive plays that come from it too. So, you know, next year could be a completely different offense from what we we are used to in the wide receiver core, good and bad. Um, but I think they need to continue to do that. Like you need to have the Emeka Mezzi's, you need to have the Devin Carters, but you need more explosive playmakers. And there's a couple, you know, there's just some guys on the wide receiver core that I'm like, I'm sure we were taking flyers on. I'm not sure if they're ever going to really develop. Maybe they're really good special teams players. But that's the kind of guy where you've got to elevate it. The rest, I mean, their defensive recruiting has been lights out. They've been picking up the right transfers. Like, I don't know if they can keep getting classes where you get a dirt and Fagan pits, but Jesus Christ, those guys all made a big difference. And at least one of those guys will be back next year. Maybe two, maybe, I don't know. I, I can't imagine Pitts being back. But, that I mean, that's just stuff that's never going to show up in the recruiting rankings, you know. Unless, they, unless 24-7 has changed their tune uh, as far as uh, yeah. taking into account transfers i i think yeah i think all right i mean i'm curious how the different type of receivers come into play i'm 100 sure they they love julian gray porter rooks right those who at the same time are going to be a different dynamic than amezi and devin carter I don't know how we are going to utilize them. You know, are we going to continue throwing jump balls or are we going to, you know, make the offense fit the talent better, right? That's kind of 
we haven't done that to date, but I don't know if we've had that set of receivers across the board. We've had a Calvin Harmon and, you know, we've had one guy like a Jacoby Myers. We just haven't had a group as a whole. So I'll be curious how that would change the style of offense. Right. Like, I mean, I don't know about Micah Crowell, but like maybe that's what Toodle is going forward. Bigger body tight end slash wide receiver yeah. that you look to for that. And then you've got more explosive guys around them going forward. I mean, there's been an obvious change in how they're recruiting wide receivers. Um, you know, maybe they can pull in a transfer that kind of, you know, expedites it a little bit. But, you know, they, they've clearly been targeting guys that are more explosive on offense. So I think the message has gotten through uh you know to them you know you just wish that like a tony grimes or someone like that that is polished enough to probably start right away or not tony grimes sorry um i was looking at terrell simmons timmons jr here and i'm like it's grimes wesley grimes wesley grimes right um but yeah tony grimes if he wants to transfer here would be great um the door is always open you know i guess i was hitting the transfer portal too hard today you know, people told me I was insane for even tweeting at people. But uh, I want to play this clip from Cover 3 Pod talking about our, our Carolina game. And I want to get y'all's reaction on that. Points to start the game, 14 nothing, And two more touchdowns to close the game. Erasing a nine-point lead in 30 seconds. In between all this, North Carolina, what was it, 30-6? to six? But NC State wins, <sighs> and North Carolina, um, it, it, shocking, amazing. I, I loved it, bud. I loved every single second of it because it's the full emotional roller coaster of uh, North Carolina national television. Like, oh, this is when they, they come and they, they trip up, and that's what it looks like right out the jump. But then you had the return, in which case you introduced the NC State doom and gloom, and doom and gloom around the NC State fan base is, well, I mean, that's that's just like one of your first emotional options. And you know that when you've got 65,000 people all feeling doom and gloom, sometimes that can trickle onto the field and, and things can kind of spiral out of control. But then to also double back with a reprise of our opening act of North Carolina tripping over itself on national television and to actually be some kind of a, a validating win for Dave Dorn and this Wolfpack program, I loved every single second of it. It some of the late game coaching uh, and play was was pretty wild. It, Chip, I know you've watched NC State this year. Can you see what I mean by by how much I hate their offense? Yes, hundred like percent. They, they're just so much less than some of their parts. They their parts, their the, parts do not add it up. Yeah. Well, they get right. They cannot run the ball well, despite having two NFL offensive linemen at the center in the left tackle position and two running backs that, like, I can't tell you who's an NFL running back, but I can tell you that Bam Knight and Ricky Person Jr. are damn good college football players at the running back position. It's it's crazy. Should we address the Lincoln Riley comment? Oh my gosh! They go about Lincoln Riley. But I, I thought they did, you know, a spot-on job of summing up that game and just the overall angst with the fan base 
right? I, I think it's just things that we've all been talking about all year, in particular with the offense, where <laughs> the, the reaction is, you know, from us is like it, it's super inefficient. Right? We've just seen these games before, just like this game where you have these long droughts and you're not doing anything, just straight up inefficiency all around. I think the Wake Forest game was very similar in this regard where, you know, you're just, you're not converting third downs. You're not doing anything. You're behind the chains all the time. All those stats and everything that just your eyeballs see and say, this offense, man, it's so frustrating because you have so many good players. You have such good talent and you don't seem to be utilizing it. You don't seem to be, to have that next gear, right? Or that kill shot. And when, I mean, Bud Elliott, look, an outsider can see it. That is to me, the thing that, while we got Doran off the hook for two minutes there, you know, for the last two minutes of that game, had that gone the other way, that is what we'd be talking about. It's how do you go two and a half quarters against UNC and can do absolutely nothing. Right. It's just, to me, that is, that's, that's what I want to see change with Doran. I think he's done so much good. And I think the responsibility or the credit the, the head coach gets is probably too much in almost 90% of the cases, like everybody's like, oh, he doesn't recruit. I think that's mostly staff, right? There's a lot of things that the head coach gets pinned for. But one of them is this philosophy. And I don't know what his offensive philosophy is because we haven't really seen an NC State offense with an identity. Even this goes back to, I don't know how many years, right? This is the whole time probably. And I want to see something different. And so I'm not hating if Tim Beck or and or John Garrison leave right? or be, be shown the door because I think they're wildly underperforming. And I know somebody's going to pull stats. Like, well, PFF has the offensive line graded high and, you know, they dropped back 60 times, 59 times, but they only gave up six sacks or whatever the number was a couple weeks ago. I'm like, I can pull up stats all over the place that say what, you know, paint whatever narrative you want. It doesn't tell you it's, it's not being, you know, genuine. I don't know how you guys, I know basically I know how Will feels about this situation, but Zach, how do you feel about what Bud Elliott, Bud Elliott it's, said? It's a lot to unpack. Offense? And if you're in our Slack channel, you know, damn well what I think about our offense. I mean, okay. Example. We scored five touchdowns Friday night. One was a punt block recovered in the end zone for a touchdown. That leaves four. Our second touchdown was a, what, 15-yard pass to Penix in the back corner. Our third touchdown was a 30-yard catch and run by Thayer. Fourth, 64-yard bomb to Amezi. Fifth, 30, 40-yard bomb to Amezi. Evan, how do we win football games? What have I said all year? Throw the ball down. Throw it deep. The damn Good things field. happen. You're either gonna. I mean, you're. I would love to know the percentages on this, but you you've got a you know the chance of a completion, defensive pass interference, roughing the quarterback. The last drive of the game against UNC, we took three shots down the field. 
First shot, Leary got uh, roughing the passer. Gave us 15 yards. Second time, Devin Carter was uh, pass interference or got caught the defensive pass interference. Give us 15 yards. Third shot, Amezi catches the game winner. You throw the ball down the field, good things happen. And this is my complaint with Dort. This is my this is my complaint with the offense. Yes, Bam is gifted. Yes, Ricky gifted. We have very gifted running backs. I think Jordan Houston is gifted. You know, I, they, they talk about Delbert Mims and Demi Sumo. I, I think they're all going to be great backs. But if your your offensive line, our offensive line, the, the the great point that they made is that you got Icky and you got Gibson NFLers who you know are going to are going to play on Sundays. I think, but you still can't run the ball. And so, why do you continue to try to run the ball, Leary? Let that man cook. Let him go. Let that some bitch sling it down the field because he's smart. He's accurate. He's good. Let him do it. And when he, when, when they finally just, I mean, it got to the point on Friday night where they didn't have a choice. They had to let him do that. We saw it last year in the pit game. They got to a point where they had no choice. They had to let him throw the ball. When they do, good things happen. And I'm not talking about these little three-yard out routes when it's third and 10 and everything. I mean, think about it. Every touchdown pass that we threw, every touchdown that we scored from an offensive standpoint on Friday night was on a pass of what? Air yards, air yards, more than 15 yards down the field. I believe that's accurate. These little three-yard dink and dunks and not getting to the sticks, you know, that's what cost us against Miami. Thayer caught a third and eight out route when it was third and nine. Or, you know, he got an eight-yard out route when it was third and nine. Let the man put the ball in the air. He's gifted. Use it. Use it. Every single touchdown that we scored from an offensive standpoint, I'm pretty sure the ball traveled at least 15 air yards this past weekend. You know, that that's my major frustration. Yeah. Here, here's, here's a quote that people should dissect like all offseason. On his confidence in Leary on the final drive, Dave Jordan said, Tim Beck asked me, do you want us to run the ball a little bit? And I said, no, Devin's hot. Let's just score. I didn't want to put it on the kicker and risk whatever could happen there. So we were going to be aggressive and go down the field. The way Devin plays in the fourth quarter and in clutch situations, Let me ask we you knew a something good was going to happen. Question, real quick, based on that quote. Period. Well, why is that even a question? Why is that? Why is Tim Beck even going to Dave Bourne and saying, That's, "Do you want us to run the ball?" You've got a you've got a guy here t- who's who's about to break Rivers' touchdown record in a single season, and you're you're questioning that. Why? The answer is because I think Tim Beck, in some ways, is a very traditional coach, and traditional coach is saying, "I got to burn clock and not leave an opportunity for the other team to score again." So he's thinking, I think we should run the ball, set up for the field goal, and get the field goal and take this to overtime, is my guess. But what upsets me more is the way Devin plays in the fourth quarter and in clutch situations, we knew something good was going to happen. There's no reason that that doesn't have to be all four quarters. That's, That's what I don't understand, is you've got someone who is is the real deal and you do not let him cook all game. And some people are like, we can't throw the ball 60 times a game. I'm not, it's not what I'm saying. 
Throw the ball 10% more, 15% more. That might be five to seven more passes. But those are more effective to me than running the ball. And doing it early could change games. There's no reason you have to wait until it's the end of the game and everyone's sitting back and cover two, cover three for you to start going vertical. It's it's just so it's just so an oddity to me that they still don't seem to trust Devin. I mean, look at all the rate. I mean, look at all the passes that exactly. Devin makes. They hardly ever attack the middle of the field. Now that could just be them saying, "Hey, man, we do well enough on the outside with our two giant receivers, so that's that's how we're going to do it." And they this that's one of the things that I think could change next year with these playmakers is you might see a lot more of the field being used. So this could just be personnel related. But there's no reason to wait until the end of the game to attack UNC's secondary. They have the most penalties in the ACC. They constantly get flagged for PI. There are opportunities there. The other thing I would say is UNC's defense, if you watch them at all this season, and I'm sure State looked at this and saw this in their film, they easily get discombobulated and don't know what's going on. They have terrible communication between all groups. I am shocked that we did not try to use tempo to force them into thinking fast and making mistakes because the second we used tempo, the second play we did it, we threw a 50-yard touchdown bomb from it. As soon as you use urgency and you're not doing check-with-me nonsense, we started scoring and throwing it all over them. Sometimes you have got to say, I know my defense is down seven starters, but... What's important now is killing this team in the second quarter. And instead, we said, oh, we're at 14. We're going to easily beat these guys. Look at them. They're going to give up. And then UNC said, hey, fuck it. Let's throw it down the field and get PIs. Boom, PI. Almost got a touchdown on the next on the packs right after it. And they just marched down the field and scored. And that's where you kind of give it credit. Like, some people are like, oh, man, they were feeling desperate, whatever. Like, sometimes it's okay to be no, I, desperate I earlier in the like game. Like what you said, just, you know, 10% more. 10% more, but what I don't want to see, and then you'll have people come back and, you know, they'll compare, but I, I also think it's the quality of that. So what I mean is I don't want to see 10% more of three yard out routes. I don't want to see 10% more of two yard curls. You know, I want to see us make a a, 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 a focused effort to push the ball vertically down the field, because when we do, Good things happen. Pass interference, roughing the passer, completions. You know, it's so many good things happen, and they've repeatedly happened over and over. And I agree also with what you said about why are we waiting until the fourth quarter? It's not like we there's a cap on the number of you know aggressive plays that Leary has in a game. You know, it, it's okay to, to 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 try to throw a sixty yard bomb four times in the first half if it's available. You know, take the top off the defense when you've got the talent to do that. And instead of letting the defense dictate to you, I don't care how many points you have on the board or what the score is. Instead of letting the defense dictate to you, try to be aggressive and dictate to them, especially when you have the talent at the quarterback position that that state has. I mean, you know, look at. I'm not saying we have wide receivers on our team that are equivalent to Deami Brown and Das Newsome, but look at how UNC never took their foot off the gas last year. You know, they, they attacked vertically. They knew what they had. Oh, what's that? They have, they're attacking vertically, vertically, and they also have two 1,000-yard rushers. I wonder if there's any coincidence there. I wonder if there's any connection between the fact that they attack vertically and take the top off the defense but also have two 1,000-yard rushers. 
you know, I, I, the, 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 yeah. the common theme is running sets up the passing game. Okay, well, for us it did not. But why can't we use our passing game to help set up our running game? Why can't that be, you know, flip-flop? And, and when you're when the defense is just sitting there and they know you're you might take the top off of it one time a game or one time a half, okay. I, I mean, if I'm a de- defensive coordinator, I'll, I'll take that chance. I'm going to keep loading the box because the other 99 percent of the time you're running four yard curls and three yard out routes on third and nine anyway. You know, it just doesn't add up to me. Yeah, I, I, I think I think back. You know, some people might say, "Oh, the reason there's reason Leary's so good." At the end of the second half and the end of the fourth quarters, his defense go into safe coverage. They're giving up stuff. Okay. What's to say that you can't dictate them into that more often? And that's where I think, like, just having Anthony Smith out there running flies, even if you're not even going to target him but one or two times a game, you're going to force coverage to do something. And I think that that can be more valid than being like, well, I need to have Chris Tootle in here because maybe he might block and set up the run game. Like, no, I, I, I just, I don't think they use their personnel in the smartest ways at all times. And, you know, just that quote from Tim to Dave, you know, maybe, and maybe, you know, maybe it's not even as yeah. like, oh, Dave, I don't know what to do here. But that's the way it kind of comes across a little bit. And, you know, if that's how it happened, that's a point in time where you can say, that's mm-hmm. where Dave Dorn made a very good coaching decision. Now, I could go back and say he fucked up the end of the second quarter with that time management. I don't know what we were doing. <laughs> and then rushing our guy out there. Like, they should have just gone for fourth. If You cannot throw Chris Dunn out in a, whatever you want to call it, sprint kick or whatever, from 50 yards out. He's not even going to hit a 50-yarder typically when he's got time to get set up. But then you're going to rush him out there, kicking into the wind, I, you know, that was the, that kick looked like the squib quick that we were supposed to have against Wake Forest. <laughs> You're not and wrong. Chris Dunn, Chris Dunn, and I said this after the game. No one was tweeting about Chris Dunn. I was like, this guy deserves like a statue. This guy, I, I said, especially if BC wins, you better put a statue outside this stadium that has Boston College's eagle with Devin Leary, Mecca Emezi, and Chris Dunn on its wings in front of the stadium, right by the wolf. <laughs> But it didn't happen. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Halfley. Enjoy your five-year extension. How how much of the offensive woes? I get I, what the the argument I hear comes from. There's two sides. It's one, the offensive line isn't good enough to whatever you know. Let them do the things they want to do. And the other argument is, well, it's because Leary's not mobile enough. Do you no. guys buy either one of those? Not at all. No, I, I do. I don't buy it at all because <clears throat> I think that. All right, who's more mobile, Sam Howell or Devin Leary? Okay, um, no. who would you say is probably overall a better passer, Howell or Leary? Okay, but would you say they're pretty close? I mean, overall, I yeah, I, yeah, okay. got, yeah, they're so, close. I think yeah. Carolina was last in the league in sacks this year, sacks allowed. State was not, but you got Sam Howell running for hundreds of yards a game and still passing for three hundred yards a game. 
you know, and so like the 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 blame of the offensive line for the not taking the chances, not taking the shots down the field. I don't buy that. I don't. I just. I don't buy that at all. Um, I just think it's an excuse, and I don't know if it's the whole, you know, hand in the dirt, blue collar. And I mean, you know, I know people like Will. Will. Will hates that aspect of it, or not? Doesn't I won't say hates it, but yeah. And I'm. And I mean, like, the dirt. Ready. I can understand that because I think it's a good counter to the glitz and glam and flash of UNC. But you can't preach that and not deliver the aspects that support that statement. You know what I mean? Um, you have to be able to verify your argument and defend it and back it up. And at times we don't do that. But Dave is so stubborn at times that it it just completely causes the whole scenario to crumble. And I just keep going back to the fact of when you let Leary drop back and throw the ball vertically down the field, we are a different team, a much better team. And the, the proof is in the pudding, you know. Everyone thinks, mm-hmm. let's just talk about hand in the dirt, right? All the years of him talking about that, what do they think this team is? It's a run-first team. It's a physical team, yada, yada, yada. So use that to your advantage. This season should have just been play action all over the place. This should have been like the Wisconsin playbook where they do play mm-hmm. action, but they do it 90% of the game. And then sprinkling in the run because – that's how you could have optimized what you had. As soon as Zavala went out, I would have just been like, that's it. There's no more focus. And people are going to be like, well, they threw it 40, per- 40 times per game and only ran it 20. But No, you can look at their play calling in the first half of a lot of games. I was like charting it out at one point. And almost every time it was like 13 pass, 13 runs by the end of the half. They are obsessed with being quote unquote balanced. And I don't think that being balanced makes you unpredictable. Because a lot of times I felt like they were balanced and very obvious about what they were doing. So if you're going to end the game being two-thirds pass, one-third run, start the game that way. Start passing on first downs. Take away the predictability of this offense. Because I, I just think that they could have used that perception. You hear the announcers talking about it all the time. Oh, man, you know them. They want to establish the run. They got these big hog mollies out there in the front blocking so well. Blah, blah. Yeah, You're what like, season have you been what watching? What game are you guys this? watching? Because I see three really young offensive linemen on the team right now or in, in, in the game once Zavala went out struggling to keep up with COVID super seniors. Maybe that's the reason it's so noticeable this year. But as soon as Zavala went down – you're all of a sudden saying like, well, that's, well, shit. Half this line, over half the line, is really struggling to take these guys on. And maybe next year this won't be a problem. Maybe those guys will have one more year and that's all it takes. Someone will be ready to step in and mitigate the loss of Icky. You know, who knows at that point. But this year, I would just said, fuck it, man. We are not good at this. Let's pass the ball. It's okay to pass first and run later in the game. And what they could have done is, I know it would have been wouldn't have been conventional. They could have run up the score with Leary, and then they could have brought in Aaron McLaughlin and just said, "You guys are going to go power mobile quarterback run, have at it, just burn the clock, do whatever you can. I don't even care if point if drives in and points, just burn off four minutes for me." 
Like, there's ways that they could have manufactured the run game if they wanted it. But instead, they, like, tried to be balanced and then found themselves in a lot of games where they really needed miracles in the fourth quarter, and they delivered it two times, and they failed three times. That's what it comes down to. I think this is the stubbornness of Doran at times. I can remember back, like, 2014, 2015, whenever, you know, we finished the season one year, and, and Dave talked about this so much. This was one of his one of his calls to everybody. I think we had one more rush than we did pass for the year on offense, and he told that to everybody. He was yeah. so, he was proud of that. Okay, you know, great, that's wonderful. But you you know you can't do that every year. You're not going to be as strong in certain areas every year, and you have to be able to adjust and make adjustments and be consistent with those adjustments. And it was just blatantly obvious to me. When those adjustments were made, you let Leary do his thing. We were a different team. We were, a, I mean, we all caught it going into Wake Forest. Like, we're going to be down 21 6, and Dave's out there. Like, we got to establish the run. You know, it's going to be 35 10 at halftime, and Dave's going to go to the, half, the, the reporter. Well, we got to come out in the second half and establish the run. You know, like, what? No. You know, throw the ball. You've got a great quarterback with tons of talent who could make every throw. Let him do it. You know, that's the frustrating part to me. That's that's, the, and I, I keep harping on it. I know, but damn. I think. I don't know. Like I, I think the tempo thing is probably what gets me more than the run pass balance. The checking with me, you're giving the defense time to set up, get plays in. You know, now there's been there's rumors of Carolina stealing signals. You know, the same thing we saw, I think it was Louisville game. Like everybody's doing it, and so why are you continually giving them opportunities to do it? Right? You know, by adding tempo, which we do at the end of halves to the end of games, and you know what? We're really freaking effective scoring at those certain times of the games for some reason, right? They hadn't put that part of it together. And I don't know who's in control of that, but to me that is the that is the biggest thing, right? They I think the offensive line is good enough in pass protection that they can take shots. Leary's pocket presence is, is clearly good enough that you know he's able to work through Offensive line has some issues. We saw it in the Carolina game when teams start stunting and twisting. Our communication isn't good. They're not passing guys off one to another. We haven't seen that before. So the offensive line has got issues, but I think it's still good enough that they can throw it down the field. And it's disingenuous when people look at the numbers. Well, we threw it 59 times. Well, your depth of target was like four yards or something ridiculous, right? You're behind the chains. You're not... Will and I went through with Wake Forest offense. What do they do? They run it, and then they hit you over top, but they're throwing it deep. They're not throwing short passes behind the sticks. It's just the guy, the defenses are too fast now to be successful long-term doing that. You might get away with it once in a while, but consistently, I think it's not a recipe for an efficient offense. So, like, perfect example, if you watched the BC game this weekend, it was second or third drive of the game. Wake Forest got like a first down and they went into just warp speed. And it was like three seconds, three seconds, three seconds. And they were snapping the ball and they just drove down with ease 
because BC could not get their signals in quick enough and were just losing, you know, just gasping for air. And Wake scored without an issue. And this is why I'm a big proponent of the sugar pop huddle or whatever you want to call it. Just huddle up every play and then 10 seconds left on the clock, bust out of the huddle. The defense and the coordinators on the other side are going to have to react as fast as they can to try to tell the defense what to do. You're the offense. You know what your play is. It doesn't matter what the defense is calling. Your play is known. You know where you are going. The whole reason that defense is harder than offense is you don't know what the other guy is doing. You are reacting while the other guy is going through the motions. Just use that to your advantage. There's no reason to do check with me. I'd be curious how many times we did a check with me and actually changed the play. Maybe we shifted the guy left or right for protection reasons. There's no reason you can't do that within seconds of rehuddling and seeing what the defense is doing. Half the time they're going to be discombobulated. We see it all the time. Like, that's the kind of stuff where like people are like, oh, you can't run like the no huddle up tempo. Like, that was the whole thing with like Fedora and that era, right? Where they were like, we're going to run as many fucking plays as possible. No, it's not what you're trying to do. You're trying to run as many plays as possible where the defense is out of its mind trying to figure out what you're doing because they have seconds instead of 15 seconds to sit there and be like, well, they're out here in trips, so we're going to go get set up. And if one of their guys rows across the formation, well, that's only one guy moving, and this guy's going to shuttle across with them, no problem. It, it's it's so easy. Dictate, dictate, dictate should be the answer going forward. I'm shocked more people don't do this. After watching Clemson just look like flabbergasted when Ohio State was doing this, because Ohio State was like, these assholes stole our signals that last playoff game. Not happening again. I'm going to run a guy in and tell him what the play is, and I'm going to tell him to huddle up, and I'm going to do it erratically too. Sometimes we're going to just have a normal old huddle. We get back down there, take our time, blah, blah, blah. Then we're going to run up to the huddle and do it in three seconds. And then eh, we're going to kind of go in the middle. Like, that's a team, that's why Clemson got their ass handed to them in that game. Is because, and you'll see, I mean, there's, it's no surprise that Clemson lost as many times as it did this year, and, and Brent Venables is now looking to go maybe coach at Oklahoma, because his shit's been figured out. I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I agree. Uh, it's just, again, I just keep going back to the stubbornness. The stubbornness and and yeah you know there there is such a thing as sticking with what got you to where you are but you also have to be able to adapt and i mean well i remember you calling it you know like don't allow the defense to, when we're playing clemson don't allow the defense to set up and we did that we got up to the line real quick ricky made a move you know we snapped the ball we got up to the line real quick bam made a move real quick you know just come right up beside Lear. we snapped the ball we didn't give them <laughs> yeah. oh hold on we got a false start yeah and i mean you know <laughs> illegal formation or whatever but it's just it's it's things like that that uh just make you scratch your head and question aspects but i mean like i know for me it can be going into a halftime and i'm sitting here and i am one of those guys who kind of counts possessions like okay what do we need to do right here in order for us to get the, to, to, to get an extra possession before half and we're going to get the ball coming out of the half? And I know for me, I mean, how many times this year did we get the ball with less than a minute and 30 and at least get a field goal out of it in the first half? Yeah, we, we, yeah, we were, really we were because that. it's a hurry-up offense. We push the ball down the field. you got to throw it. you got to let Leary cook. And those types of things happen. But then when 
when we don't necessarily need to, we go right back into like our little turtle shell of run, run, pass. And then my favorite thing is is the announcers. Oh, they're using the screen game. They're using the out game as an extension of the run game. Oh, my God. Give me a break. Throw the ball down the damn field. What works? We it's literally threw 35 touchdowns this year. 35? I mean, like, I, I didn't realize this, but up until, what was it, the Syracuse game, we didn't have a rushing touchdown since the Louisiana Tech game? Like, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. But if you're the coach and you look back at your last six games and you don't have a rushing touchdown, at what point do you sit there and say, okay, maybe we're not really good at this. Maybe we should we're obviously really good at passing because we're winning football games and we're scoring touchdowns and our quarterback is leading the league in touchdown passes. But, you know. But, but don't you think we called plays in the red zone that optimize that? Like, I mean – Four years ago, mm-hmm. whenever Ricky Purse's first year was here, I think, like we were heavy running in the and you know that's why that's Jason like had so many touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Reggie, yeah, like that. That's why in that run, like we were really good at running the ball. And so as soon as we got in there, we we're like, hey, we're ten yards in, and we're going to score running the ball. It, it was it was just a matter of just what down it was going to be. And I, so I will give kudos to Dave and those guys for saying like. This guy's really effing good once he get down here. It just seemed like they were way too focused on limiting risk between the 20s. Once they got in the 20s, they were like, fucking have at it, man. Third, probably 35 and in. Because, like, that's... When when he threw that pass to Messi, the second one, I was just like, well, he's been doing this all year. That's the pit play. You know, like, that's just where they're confident. And I'm like, exactly. well, why not just do that in between? And I, it's I agree still there. there because like still I, there. I was honestly the, the touchdown pass to Penix in the corner of the end zone. I was actually surprised to see us throwing the ball there because you know you're right when when you go back three four years ago, Hines, Gillespie, you know all those guys. The we, we we tried to run run run, especially in the red zone, and it worked most of the time, a lot of the times. But now it's not you know that's not our forte. That's not our bread and butter. And so it was good to sit here and see, you know, like you said, they got inside the red zone, Leary chunking the ball to Penix. And I don't understand why they can't do that between the 20s as well. You know, I don't know if it's it's the concern going back to the field position aspect of it. But, you know, what Leary, how many, t- how many interceptions did Leary have this year? I don't even know off the top of my head. Five, five, 35 five. touchdowns. Yeah, five thirty-five How many interceptions. Five interceptions, and th- what three well, of those were end of half, end of game it, interceptions? Two yeah, or three. So, yeah, I mean, True. you know, the 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 kid is good. He's gifted. You know, I just I keep saying, it. like, I don't know. I mean, seven seventeen to one real touchdown to interception ratio pretty is pretty damn good. That, that this that that's why we said probably like six games ago that we thought it was, we were being too conservative and we were probably missing opportunities, missing efficiencies that were available to us because they were so focused on it, on winning the turnover battle at all costs. Sometimes you can lose the turnover battle and win games because you racked up a bunch of passing touchdowns or explosive plays to mitigate it. Sometimes an interception is just a prime example of this. And they, you know, a, 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 a great example of this. You go back and look at history. 
of, of the state Carolina game. One of the major telling, always telling stats is the team that wins is the team that rushed for more yards. I think Carolina rushed for what, 310 yards or something like that. Friday night, we rushed for 113 and we won, you know, so you can't, you, you have to play to your strengths. You have to play to those things that put you in positions to win and, and, and win handedly, you know, and, and here's another question, kind of a change of subject here. Do you all think Dave's afraid to blow people out? I think Dave has a lot of coaches out there that he likes to stay in. Do you think that it's a fear that the next time that somebody has his team down, that they're going to step on his throat? I mean, I don't know. I mean, with UNC, like even Mac Brown was basically like when they were up last year, they were like a call. They they clearly called the dogs off, and he said like he's got a really good relationship with Mac in general from his days at Kansas, yada yada yada. So I I think there is like a coaching code that says to some degree like there's no need to hang right. seventy. Like unless you're Urban, I mean, the only reason there people were doing that back in the day was because the BCS because playoff, it you had to get the right. Wasn't Aranda getting a ton of shit earlier? This maybe it was three or four weeks ago when he kicked like a field goal at the last second of a game, right? And he said, "In this league, margin matters for tiebreakers, so yeah. I'm doing it." You know, and I think they, I think they took out point deltas from a lot of things because they didn't like where that was going. And but like, I, yeah, it's I, I agree he, with that. He, like. But you can run up the score yeah, in the first two or three quarters. Like you know, okay. So I'm I'm a baseball guy. Okay, you get up eight, you don't steal. You know, you get up seven, you don't steal. You don't you don't lay down a bunt. Things like that. Okay, fair enough. But like you know, we're up fourteen nothing, and I feel and to me, and I feel like to a lot of state fans are watching it. We're like, oh, we're taking our foot off the gas. And you know, okay, that's fine. Like respect the game, respect the the the, the sportsmanship of it. But do that when it's thirty five to nothing in the third quarter, you know, I just, I feel like a lot of times we just take our foot off the gas. We turn into this conservative, you know, blah offense. Let's just run out the clock. And I've heard you guys talk about it lots of times before, but like, I just, I can't understand, you know, you go back to the teams that blow people out, the the teams that do put up 70, the teams that do put up 60 on a consistent basis. They're they're in you know top five top ten they're in the discussion for New Year's Eve bowls every year or New Year's Six bowls every year or they're in the college football playoff. I mean you know those teams they set themselves apart. It becomes a recruiting tactic. It becomes something that people want to see on ESPN. People want to be a part of that, and it helps the perception of their program, in my opinion. And like I, I understand you know you want to hold your hold your rep- your your uh, reputation. You want it to be withheld with upheld within the coaching circles and what and whatnot, but. Man, sometimes just step on somebody's throat and don't let them up. Just to show you you can do it. You know, that's that's kind of a different conversation, I guess, but I don't I don't know if scared is the word I would use for it. I don't I don't also know if it's him trying to stay in the good graces of other coaches. I don't I I think it's more of a a philosophy of controlling it, and uh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. Big Ten football philosophy, you know, Midwest old school philosophy, as opposed to what Wake does, is know that 
everybody's going to score. Your defense, despite being good, is not good enough because everybody's going to score. That's how college football works. And Wake says, well, all right, well, we're going to score too. And we're going to make it, you know, unattainable for you. And I just don't, I don't think we do that enough. Like, I don't think we recognize that we need to have a schematic advantage in order to really be successful. I think if we had, if we had a schematic advantage, I think if we had better schemes offensively, we'd be 11 and one right now. I firmly mm-hmm. believe that. And I just, it, to me, it feels like a, a repeating pattern. And so bringing it all back and like that two minutes at the end of the Carolina game covered up a lot of nonsense for the other two and a half quarters of that game. Even three quarters, right? Because we scored, or we scored early and then we got the punt block touchdown. Right. There was a whole lot of nothing in between there. And see, like, that's kind of, that's one point where I'm fearful. Not fearful, but where, look, they've won nine games. I give the man credit. You know, I I, I don't, uh, I will sit here and say, I will give the man credit for winning nine games at a place where a lot of times it's not easy to win nine games. But I can also sit here and say that I think we should have won more. But I don't think that those two minutes should cover up for the, you know, first quarter was good. So 15, you know, the, the 43 in between the first quarter and there. You know, I, I still I still think state fans should have a lot of questions about what was going on there, the play calls, like what you were getting at, Evan. And I don't think it should necessarily be a pass. Sure, we won the game, but you can't just – if you want to be an elite program, you can't just say, okay, we won the game, and that's the end of it. You still have to self-reflect. You still have to analyze, and you still have to figure out how you can become even better than you were at your best moments. you know. Right, and, and so a lot of – some folks will look at it and say, well, well, can't you just be happy with the win? I'm happy with the win. I'm very happy with the win. But now we're now I want to look forward. I want to see what's next. And to me, it's elevating your program to being better. Right? There was a conversation on Twitter today that, you know, NC State's floor is seven wins, and that they should be happy with that, that being their floor. And I just I couldn't disagree with that more. I think it's we've talked about this before. It's easy to schedule four wins every year. And so now you're saying that your coach only has to win three more games, three conference games. Like, I think that is not an acceptable floor. And we've talked about this before, so I don't really want to get too far into it. But I want to keep elevating the program. It's the same thing we've always talked about. And I think you do that by having these conversations. I assume Dave is having these conversations with his staff. I just don't know. Like, I'm not sure. Have we seen it after nine years, a philosophical shift? Or has it been, you know, does his line of thinking stay the same? Like, are you hopeful that he will continue growing as a coach? I think he has grown as a coach in some areas. But will that, will he recognize that deficiency and say, all right, if we, you know, approach this problem differently, will be better. I mean, he's got a history of firing dudes. Like, it's not like he's always... Uh, we aren't... Who's here from the original staff? 
Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Like, so... In theory, John Garrison and Tim back together should be a lot better than what we're seeing right now. And... I just don't understand the gap on the O-line with recruiting right now. But, again, maybe it's just getting unlucky, having to play guys, and it's just whatever. But I'd rather, if if nothing changes, we better have a lot more transfers come in on the O-line. We need bodies. We need bodies that have played football for a while. And I'd, I'd take a risk on... D2, FCS, G5 guys that are seniors and in it for their last hurrah. And if they aren't better talent-wise than the other guys, then good. They're good competition to have in there. You know, but I I still don't understand how we went into this season with three offensive linemen that you could be counted on, counting on. And we said it going into the season that it was pretty obvious that Ick... Zavala and Gibson were ready to go. And then having no idea what the right side was going to do. And you saw it in the first two or three games. They didn't want to run to the right. And I don't know how that happens as you're leading up into the season and being like, I'm hyper confident in this offensive line. And then being like, well, Jesus Christ, we can't even ever, we can't even fake running that direction. I Again, I, I think they thought that Tyron Riley was going to be ready to go. Or Belton was going to come in and be ready to go. And they weren't. And, you know, maybe they just misunderstood themselves as as a team. You know, or maybe there was just no one on the board that met the, the standard. But if Doran thinks that the problem is John Garrison just can't get it done, I'm sure John, I'm sure Doran will have no problem firing him. Or letting him go get a job somewhere else, you know. I think Dave's been pretty good about that for the most part. Um, but does that change the overall, like, it hasn't been good, right? But is that going to give you a schematic advantage? Is that going to help you? Maybe it fixes the run game a little bit, or do you need to get, I don't want to say a better offensive coordinator than Beck, because I think Beck is good at what he was brought in to do, which is stabilize the co-OC situation, improve Leary, do those things, you know, close the deal on McLaughlin, but a more innovative offensive coordinator? I think that Beck has good concepts. I think that he can build plays off of plays. But translating sometimes translating those concepts onto the field, there's a there's a disconnect there. Um, you know, whether that be with personnel, whether that be with uh, you know the timing of things, um, I just I just think there's a disconnect there somewhere that can't it's tough to put your finger on um you know i I think leary likes beck um and you know i i i I believe that but there's just it's tough to put your finger exactly it's tough for me to put my finger exactly on what it is and you hear everybody's opinions about it but you know i just think there's a disconnect there but 
I do think Beck could be better, you know, if he was to just take the reins off O'Leary of and let him eat. I'm I'm throwing a couple stats in the chat here, but I mean it kind of goes to what we were saying earlier. When we're in the red zone, we're 18th in the country in scoring, and we're 34th in scoring overall. We're not asking for, at least for me, I'm not asking for like a monumental shift in how we run the game. I just don't think we're optimizing ourselves. To get that little 10% edge that takes you from 34th in the country, which is, uh, let's see here, just bear with me, folks, as I click on things. 34th in the country is 33 points a game. I just want to get us to 36. Three more points. And you're tied with North Carolina in scoring. Right? It's, it's, It's little tweaks in my mind that can get us there. Now, I'm also of the opinion that I think if Tim Beck had a full deck of cards to work with as far as an offensive line, I think I think we could be there. I do think that they are just perplexed at how to navigate the challenges that they've had the last two years. They had Bailey Hockman last year as a challenge, and they got around it. And they made him pretty good. And I'm pretty sure we were right around 35th or wherever we ended up in scoring last year. And then I just think this year... They thought that this running game should be there. They've got two running backs that are going to go pro. They've got two linemen, at least, that are going to go pro. And maybe if we got a full season of Zavala, it wouldn't have ended up being that bad. But I don't know. I mean, that I just think that's the fix. So the question then becomes, why is the offensive line what it is? Well, according to Pro Football Focus, they're freaking awesome at blocking. <laughs> so then why are we having a problem running? Because they might be hitting their assignments... But if Dylan McMahon's getting pushed back on skates all the time, well, what's the problem? Is it he's young? Is he injured? You know? Like, it's not going to shock me. I, I've said this before. It's not going to shock me if Dylan McMahon has some off-season surgery that we hear about. Because something isn't adding up with you being on the freak list and being amazing at power cleans and then getting just blown back constantly. That's, just some, Something's off so Let me ask you this question. According to Pro Football Focus, you got, you know, all of our, we're, we're supposedly so good. We know from our watching Bam and Ricky that they're good. All right, so we've got a good O-line. You've got a quarterback who can take the pressure off of the run game by throwing the ball. And you've got good running backs. But yet we cannot run the ball. Does that lead more towards predictability? Probably. I mean, you know, process of elimination, what what does that get us down to? And so that's where, you know, that's where I kind of, my mind just goes in that direction. I I mean, that's got to be it. I mean, let's see, where are we in, like, the rushing ranks? So Um, we were, well, why are you doing that? We were 35th in scoring last year with Bailey Hockman and 34th this year with Devin Leary. Doesn't that seem off? <laughs> like, I, I mean, look, let's be real, right? Schedule was a lot easier last year. Despite okay. it being ACC Fair. games, yeah. we caught a lot of perfect storms with Bailey Hockman. Um, you know, when we played a good team like Liberty, what, what did we get? Like 14 points or 17, 16? Like, Kentucky? Like, there were... 
it's easy to get lost in the averages. I think the scoring offense this year, in my opinion, was better than last year. You know, we were the first ones to score touchdowns on Clemson, for example. You know, the the, the team was definitely better this year. And there might have also been, like we were saying earlier, right, opportunities where we maybe took points off the board with how we were calling games. Like, look at Syracuse. Perfect example, right? That whatever drive it was early in the game where we ran the ball four effing times to get 10 yards and couldn't get it done. I don't understand that. Especially after coming off a loss. Don't you want to try to jumpstart the team? Like, I, I don't... There's just some stuff where you're kind of like, are you guys just out here experimenting? And maybe that's what it is. I know someone said, like, early on with Beck, like, he likes to use the first couple of drives to kind of just see what the team other team does. And then he builds off of it from there. Okay, fine. That doesn't explain, like, why it's two quarters of you doing and, that and it's and you necessary. can't do that against wake forest you, you can't yeah. You, yeah i mean you can't just pick and say okay well, we're, we're trying to establish the game plan here and then go down and put six points up on two drives while they're putting up touchdowns you know you can't do that but evan you said last year we were 35th this year we're 34th well, what 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 are the points per game what was 35th was how many points per game last year uh, I don't know. I was just going by. Oh, okay. So I mean, oh, you didn't go and look. You made it sound like you were looking at that, like straight up. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were looking up the exact stats, boy, guys. Uh, no, got him. We got him in a pickle now. <laughs> just I'll go back and find it. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I'm just yeah, it's head scratching. It is that's and that's where I was going with that. Like you add a quarterback who is exponentially better, and you don't get exponentially better results. Well, I don't know, man. Some, something seems off to me, and that and that's that's what I want to see improved in the off season. Right? I want to see us recognize that hey, we don't have. Alabama talent. Let's let's at least try to leverage superior schemes or unique schemes or, or whatever it may be, right? We've seen Coastal rise up, you know, with good quarterback play and a unique offense. Let's carry them a long way. We've seen the same thing with Blake Forrest. Why can't we do something different? I know the coaches know a hell of a lot more about football than any of us. And I know they can they can they can do it, but you have to recognize it, right? And that, and that to me is what I want to see. What do you got there, Will? Uh we were like 48th tied last year, 48th okay. in scoring at 30 points per game. Okay. So, again, you put in Devin Leary, all I asked for is a 10% improvement and we got there. 33 33 points, right? If Devin Leary comes back again, I want to see a 10% improvement. Like, okay. Like, you made one change, and you saw some improvement. Now, I mean, I'll go click around. I'm sure rushing was a lot a lot better last year as well. Um, we were 100th uh, this year, and... Um, oh, come on. Well, 
the the a really important question that you bring up there is Devin Leary returning. If you are Devin Leary, are you coming back? Um, my my theory was that if we had gone to the ACC championship game and he showed out, and then we went to a bowl game and he showed out, that he was probably gone. Yeah, I feel like we might get lucky by only going to a bowl game and not getting that attention. Um, if he wants to go, he should. I think he'll get drafted, like, without a doubt. He's got a better arm than most of these jack wagons that he's getting compared to. Um, yeah, he's not mobile, but you don't have to be mobile. Like, I mean, Phillip Rivers made a career in the NFL, and he was sure as shit not, not mobile. Tom even, Brady is not mobile. Even back up one. Who's the best quarterback out of the draft last year in the NFL right now? Mm. Mac Jones. Mm. Body of a god. <laughs> and Mac Jones is it mobile? Like you I, I get the allure and what the NFL likes with these guys. But a real well, let's be honest, the real quarterbacks, the guys that have been successful long term, the guys that have been able to have long lasting careers are not the guys that are running all over the field. It's guys like Rivers, guys like Brady's, guys like Roethlisberger's, guys like Aaron Rodgers. They can move a little bit when needed, but you need somebody who's smart, has a good arm, is accurate. I think guys like Mac Jones can, you know, check all those boxes. I think guy like Devin Leary checks all those boxes. I, if I'm him, I'm you know, I I would imagine he gets a really good evaluation. And I imagine they're going to look at him and somebody has got to be smart enough in, on the scout to see that and say, I'm not taking, why am I taking Malik Willis over this kid who just lit up the ACC? But see, I just, I don't think people, I, I, I think NFL owners are so dumb or not, not all of them, but like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a more of a college football fan than I am NFL. I very rarely watch a full game in the NFL but I grew up a Redskins fan and Dan Snyder is an idiot I mean you know he's just I just have no trust in his capability to to draft a quarterback um yeah but you know I just we see it and you can look at the stats and they'll tell you certain things but I still just think that people that you know that owners have this tendency to look at quarterbacks and and draft off of this fanfare type deal I mean you know look at the Bears they drafted Trubisky second overall. I mean, come on, you know, like really, you know. And so I just, I hope Leary does come back. Um, I think that barring injury, which of course goes for everybody, I think he could really make himself some money next year, especially if Beck lets him go. Um, and so I, <clears throat> I hope he does come back because I, I think. I think he puts himself in a very, very, very um, valuable position by giving himself one more year. So I'd like to add that we were 107th in rushing last year. We were 100th this year, so making big progress. (laughs) (laughs) But I would say, like, that's a little 
disconcerting, right? Like, they definitely tried to establish the run early last year, right? We had the big Wake Forest game. Mm-hmm. Virginia Tech, we were pretty good. And then we pff, fell off. People blamed that on Hockman. Hockman was more mobile than Larry, right? We saw him scramble pretty well. And now you saw it again. So, yeah, I do wonder if a guy like Doran is going to look at that and say, like, this is not what I want. Not saying I have to be like top twenty-five, but we're really the back quarter of FBS football. Like that's hard to jive with hard tough together. And like I, going uh, back to the to the stats from from last year compared to this year, you know, Leary did play what three and a quarter games last year, and you know, I'd be interested to know what our scoring offense was if you took away the games that Leary played. Because I can't remember how many we scored um, at UVA. I can't remember how many we scored against Duke. I can't remember how many we scored against Pitt. You know. So none of them were high-scoring games except maybe Pitt. I got to go back and look. He had four touchdowns, so we at least had 28 points yeah, and, in that game. Know. Uh, UVA was around that same level. Pitt or Duke was not. I mean, Duke was low-scoring. Um, and he only came in in Virginia Tech uh, and started ripping it off right away. But it was too late at that point. Um, so I would say that Leary's impact was not that much. I remember when we were going into the season, I took all of Hockman's stats and just the amount of attempts he was given and took Leary's stats. And I think when I extrapolated it last year, he would have been like 28 touchdowns and like eight interceptions or something like that. Um, and so you're seeing now, I mean, he's 34, 35 and five, right? Like, so he would have made a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got a couple, like maybe two rushing touchdowns. But, I mean, look at this. Like, North Carolina, last year they were uh, 11th in the country in rushing. What do you guys think they were this year? Uh, they're pretty, I don't know. I'd say 20th. They lost 30th. two awesome running backs and two good to great wide receivers. They're 12th in rushing this year. Now, a lot of that's Sam Howell uh, making up for that, right? Yeah. But... They're still running the ball and making it happen. And, you know, I mean, it is kind of interesting, right, that right now that they're the rushing team and we're the passing team, it looks like. Um, I don't want it to be in the middle. I don't want us to be 50th of passing and 50th of rushing or anything like that. I mean, but probably need better than 10% improvement in running right now. But it's just kind of funny, right? The running back room hasn't really changed between last year and this year. Both of the guys were relatively healthy, if I recall. And the offensive line was basically the same, you know. I mean, Witt and Scalthorpe, I guess, didn't make as big of a deal as I thought they would have. Maybe this year if they had been here, you know, maybe a sixth year for those guys would have been more important. I don't even know what they're even doing right now. But something's got to change. Right. That's where we're getting with all this. (laughs) Last question. Bowl game. The two options you're seeing mentioned right now are the Holiday Bowl in San Diego against one of the Pac-12 schools like UCLA or the Cheez-Its Cheez-It. Bowl in Orlando against Big 12, like Kansas State probably. Oh, man. If we get the Cheez-It Bowl, we got to get Curd Nerd on the pod somehow. I want. No um, I wish we'd get the holiday. Yeah, I want no taste. part of Kansas State. Not because I'm scared, wow. but because like nobody gives a damn. Yeah, but that's the easiest way probably to get to ten. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if I mean the thing I would love is if if we we won't get the holiday. Everyone keep, keeps saying that it's going to be the loser of the ACC title game. Unless I don't know, maybe like college football rankings somehow impacts that. Maybe if Wake got their ass kicked, maybe they would fall to a point where they'd say we want NC State. But I would love to go to the Holiday Bowl and potentially play like an Oregon or someone like that. Just because I, I, I think strength on strength, we match up actually really well with a team like that. I'm sure Kayvon Thibodeau is not going to play in a bowl game. Um, and I would love to see if Adidas would look at that as an opportunity and be like, all right, we're going to showcase NC State and give them some cool jerseys and build up some hype from a marketing standpoint going into that game. Kansas State, if that's who we end up playing, man, yeah. I'm not going to be like happy watching that game, but if we win, we win, whatever. I want to see us get 10 wins. I want to be able to like hang that one up in the rafters. Um, it would be good for the program to get 10. 10 just means more. But... Yeah. I mean, look what Dino Babers got from 10 wins. Am I right, guys? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, don't. Please My guy. Please don't. But what happens when you go to the Cheez-It Bowl and you play Kansas State and you lose? Well, then Dave... <laughs> We'll probably never be able to get a job in Kansas if that happens. So it's a win-win. Yeah, I just for me, I just want the bowl game where you, at this point it's a glorified scrimmage. I just want the younger guys to get reps. I want to see. I'd, I'd rather get a win. If you're not playing in a New Year's New Year's Six game, you're gonna have guys sitting out. You're gonna have, you know, it just doesn't mean anything anymore. So. From a football standpoint, just find one you can win. Right? Yeah. I mean, it'd be great if it's interesting. You know, Oregon would be interesting. They'd probably have a lot more guys sit out than we would. But I think getting that 10th win is probably more important. But see, so let me ask you, this, ask you guys this question, though. All right, so get that 10th win or go play Oregon in the Holiday Bowl. Put up a good fight. Look like a competent team and lose. Doesn't Bec- matter. Because- Losing, we don't get that benefit of the doubt. No, you're going with that. We don't. We don't ever get that benefit of the doubt where that Carolina just got gets, last year. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Like Carolina plays. <laughs> but Texas if State A&M, wins, yeah, yeah. If State wins ten games, doesn't matter who it's against. We're going to be pretty highly ranked going into this season. Assuming you got all those the returners coming back, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like. And while some people like to blame the media for being hyped up, and that's their problem, NC State could really take advantage of that because NC State would love to get early commitments and being like, hey, man, we're a top 10, top 15 program right now. You saw what we did at the end of the season. We beat the crap out of Kansas State. Here we are with 10 wins. We were top 15 in the college football playoff poll. The AP poll finally said that we had to give them a top 15 rating. You know, yeah. NC State could fucking leverage the hell out of 10 wins. Nine wins? Eh. Okay, well, yeah, it's whatever many times that's been achieved. It would be good for Doran to be able to say, I just did something that only one other guy's done at this program. Yep. I think there's value there. I agree with that. All right. Y'all got anything else? No. I was told, I told Wahida this would be a short podcast, Evan. Oh, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys did all the talking. It wasn't even me. I forgot Evan was in here for a little while. And all of a sudden, he popped up with a question. I was like, oh, shit. It's <laughs> just moderating for him. I like it. I like it. It's a good break for me. All right, folks. We will be back with another pod. Eventually, we have to start talking about basketball. No. <laughs> 
But as always, thanks for listening. We'll talk one more later on. We'll figure out who's leaving, who's staying, who's going, where the ball game's going to be, all that good stuff. But as always, support the pod. Red White Network. Sponsors. And appreciate it. Come back. I was raised by the wolves. Eight said he fooled. I'm running through the night. Playing with your life. The coins gets the pack. That's risky. years to do that, but we did. Yeah. 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 We are the best team in this league. Yeah. Yeah.